<laughs> what you have to do hey everybody welcome back to another week another episode of a lukeless bible and banter what's up luke we miss you uh and not really though because you still get into our group chat sometimes hey at least we're not lukewarm <laughs> oh that wasn't that wasn't all that was yeah, wasn't very good so um so i was giving you a little bit so if we have anybody, I know occasionally we get some folks that work at ACGC, uh, our, our denominational headquarters that watch the show. And, uh, and Mike is sitting here repping the ACGC symbol, the, the logo. And, um, and I immediately, I haven't texted him yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text somebody over ACGC and be like, hey, how do I buy? How do I get a polo shirt? That looks as nice, although that's kind of like a that's kind of like a diarrhea green. It's it's the color of the camera. It, it's actually a, a much better green than that is. But I, I will say the only reason I have this is because it was donated to me because the guy who previously owned it was losing weight. <laughs> so shout so, out to so, shout I'm, out to former fat guy. <laughs> exactly, shout out to him and. <laughs> there are some perks of not losing weight and being fat <laughs> <laughs> you, you got skinny people's clothes yeah, uh, yeah but uh yeah so but before we move on i think this is a big deal and so i'm gonna toot your horn and congratulations on how well you're doing in your phd class so far so Thank kudos you. you have a 99 so far um and uh so i think that's attendance grade so well done well, to quote the great <laughs> philosopher, uh, J to the Z, I've got 99 problems, but my PhD ain't one. Nice. Boom. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. But congratulations. Yeah. Well done, sir. Way to, Thank you. Way, to, Thank way to come out strong. Well, I've only written one paper so far, so we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that included yep. in the 99? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, hey, look at that. That's actually why I got a 99. So I've got perfect grade so far, and I got a 49 out of 50 points for this one. Uh, well, look at that, buddy. I mean, and you were feeling like when you were in that like cohort thing, how you didn't measure up, but at least yeah, yeah. in writing, you seem to be holding your own. Yeah. I, as long as I don't have to talk to people who are considered my peers, I can just be by myself, then I think I'll be fine. Mm. Which is about, that's academia, isn't it? Being mm-hmm. by yourself and writing alone. Yep. Smoking cigars in a dimly lit room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thinking of what people want want you to say. <laughs> so uh, I did find out. I don't remember if I told you this last week or not. I found out last week I have to learn either Dutch, Latin, or German mm-hmm. this summer. So, yep. yeah. Have you have you settled on what you're going to do? I prefer Dutch, but it seems m- the most difficult to find a place that will te- that teaches Dutch. Uh, so, so, so ranked, by the way, I'm getting feedback again from, uh, from your, from your computer, I think, but, um, it's, uh, so I, I prefer Dutch one Dutch is out of the three, out of those three is easier to learn, but that's not why, um, I want to read more of the Dutch theologians of the 19th and early 20th century. So you're talking, um, uh, Burkhoff, Burkauer, you're talking, uh, uh, um, oh my goodness, why can't I, Kuiper, you're talking, Bob Inc. and all that. So I want to be able to read those guys. So Dutch 
is the natural thing. I only need one semester of it. So, but trying to find a place that, that uh, a college that's teaching Dutch online or is just, it's, it's been hard. German and Latin has not been a problem to find. So, so Rosetta Stone wouldn't cut it. I don't think so. I'm going to, I'm going to put an email into my, to my, uh, what do you call them? My prof and ask him like, Hey, cause they recommended like two different schools, but both schools don't have Dutch. Um, so, you know, I, Hey, you gotta, you gotta line on some Dutch. Want to read some Bavink? hook me up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, and if not, maybe there's some other programs out there that I can, maybe I can go to, to uh Campen, go over to the Netherlands, spend a semester there, study abroad for, for a couple months and, and uh, learn Dutch while I'm there. Hmm. That's a possibility. I, I don't think my wife would go for it though. No, I, I was thinking there's a lot of obstacles there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Employment, uh, you know, uh, lots of stuff. Yeah. So. You mean no one's paying for you to do this PhD? <clears throat> no, I'm paying out of pocket. However, uh, well, like my, so my church is generous in that they offer me uh, a couple thousand dollars a year for like a, for stipend to go to school. Um, but I already used that to finish my master's. Um, the, the Southern region offers, I think it's like up to $2,000 a year. I think it's like 1000 per semester for up to two semesters for up to three or four years. Um, our conference has like up to $500 a year. But I already got my second year paid for um, through the GI Bill. So I was at, I exhausted my GI Bill, and then you can apply for an extra 12 months. Depending on your situation, I was able to get an extra 12 months. So uh, that, that second of three years, which is the second two years, so year two and three are the most expensive um, because the most credit hours, because you're doing research and writing at the same time. Um, so that middle year, I'm going to have the jet, the VA pay for. So mm-hmm. essentially it's all, it's, I'm going to come out pretty well where, yeah, I paid it out of pocket, but nothing mm-hmm. like you hear from some others. So yeah. Well, good. Yep. Yep. That's great. To God be the glory. And Robin says, I'm not allowed to go to, to the Netherlands. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. So what's on your radar, man? What's, what's going on with you? Oh, we can do the show, by the way. So if you're watching right now, we uh, we made some significant sacrifices today to, to make did. the show happen. We did. Oh, we're I mean, we're getting back into the swing of kind of what we used to do before COVID, just with COVID ever looming. You know, uh, we're back to our normal times. We had switched things around and people didn't like it. Um, so we're back to our normal Sunday school time and doing that thing and worship hour and so it was it was a good first sunday it was a good good first sunday back into kind of normal but Mm -hmm. uh outside of that nothing much i mean car repairs i just had to bring the church vehicle in and had uh there's a few issues with it and so and car stuff isn't cheap no so no do you no. know anything about cars? I know how to fill the gas. If I had to, I could probably change the oil. I can change wiper blades. I can fill the uh, the uh, the car with like washer fluid. Um, I can wash a car. Um, okay. If I had to, I bet you, and had the right tools, 
I could probably change the brakes if I really wanted to, uh, but I've just never put the effort in to, to learn that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the expendable income to invest in the items that would be necessary to do that on my own. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm very limited. Okay. Well, a- Angela, I appreciate your question asking if I checked with uh, the app region. I did not because I'm in the southern region, so I'm in Saka. So uh, I did check with them, and and they've been quite generous so far. So um, we're grateful where we're at, man, uh, mm. to have to have some great support for for those who are seeking higher education. So yeah, many many rightly recognize the importance of of education for our clergy and and for church members and all that. So. Now, is this a, a, a PhD or a demon? Uh, PhD, okay. Philosoph- Doctor of Philosophy. Uh, so, are you gonna Are you gonna expect me to call you Doctor Reynolds? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I, I would. Ex- I, w- I would be very disappointed if you didn't. If you, was, <laughs> I would have been very disappointed, and it would have been uncharacteristic of you to say to say no to that question. So, so I forget who it was, but somebody mentioned to me the other day. They're like, once you get your PhD, I fully expect you to wear like a monocle. Like you have to wear a monocle and carry around the pipe all the time. So I have to invest. Uh, so I have a a a pipe that I use on occasion if I'm smoking pipe tobacco. So I could carry that around. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to find a monocle. Um, I also feel like if I have that, I also need a pocket watch. Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, and maybe I need to stop wearing t-shirts to the office and maybe I have to, you know, start wearing a, a jacket and, a and, a, and a stylish cane. If you're going to have the mm. monocle and the, the pocket watch, you've got to have like one of those black, uh, you know, shiny black canes to carry mm-hmm. around. I I promise you, I will be even more insufferable than I am now. Wow! <laughs> wow! So, so uh, you know, <laughs> things to look uh, forward to. <laughs> so, so, so for everyone who's praying for me and cheering me on, I very much appreciate it. Last week, I forget. Maybe I said it to you. Maybe I said it to somebody else. But I was, I, I had a really bad like couple of days last week where I really thought about just like quitting. I was like, oh, this is just gonna, this is too much. I got, you know, and I just did not feel like continuing. And I woke up one day and the Lord renewed my energy and vigor for this. So I know it's been by your prayers, but trust I will be as insufferable as as humanly possible. I'm sure. So mm. I'm sorry. Sorry. So, so with that life happenings, I hear you and uh, one of your uh, family members, probably the one of the better family members of yours, have a new podcast. Uh, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, Jackson and I, Jackson's my son. He's nine. Um, he, for a long time, has wanted to start a podcast. And um, I kind of got to the point where he kept asking and I told him, all right, fi- figure this out, figure that out. And he finally got all that information together. And um, we have started a podcast. We started last week called Every Day is Sunday. And it's a podcast that you can, you can look it up. It has a yellow in uh, a yellow background and I believe blue lettering as the logo. You can find it anywhere, most anywhere you get your podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Every Day is Sunday. The premise of the show is that it's Jackson and I talking about whatever questions a lot of 
what many people might think are like stupid questions or questions that kids have. They're actually really insightful. And a lot of people have those questions. They're just afraid to ask them. So a couple of, a couple of examples um, he asked like the second episode, I think we talked about um, what happened to the fish during the flood. Hmm. So did, uh, so essentially like did Noah get a fish tank or did, did the fish stay in the, hmm. in the oceans, of the earth and, and all that stuff. And then the question before that, I forget what it was, but it was good, man. So, so we talked about that. We play some games. Uh, so we play like, Hey, what's your top five in this or in that? Um, last, last week we played a game where essentially he had, he played like a, uh, a stormtrooper. So he's like, Oh, I'm a stormtrooper. Pitch me an idea. Pitch me your, like a product that you would want to sell me. So, and that was a, a special episode that included his sister, my daughter, Adeline. So mm. it's been fun. It's family, it's uh, family friendly and fun entertainment. Um, if you just want to hear a dad talking to his kid, that's the show, man. Now, is there a place where you can submit questions? Yes, 100%. So you can either send your questions to me via Facebook Messenger, which is which is cool, or you can email me. Um, you can email me at pastorericreynolds at gmail.com. That's pastor, Eric with a K, E-R-I-K, Reynolds at gmail.com. And um, right now we don't have like, no one has sent us in any questions. So we're just kind of going off the questions that Jackson has. And some of them come out of his own Bible study that he's doing part of, as part of school. And some of it's me searching the internet for, Hey, what questions are kids, uh, the, the kids want to ask, but are afraid to. So. I have, can, may I submit a question now? You, you may. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Hmm. That sounds like something that um, could be handled well in the 14th century scholasticism, um, mm. where you could write tomes about whether or not they have belly buttons. Uh, mm. But ultimately, uh, we have no idea and have no ability to so, know. Stop taking your, your material for your show. Like that was a, that oh, was a yeah, question yeah, yeah, for you yeah. to answer. Sorry. Oh, sorry, man. Sorry, I thought you were like genuinely asking me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was submitting a question See, for the show. Begun. It's already begun. The insufferability. <laughs> uh, I am. To- I'm. You know what? I'm going to ask my boys. Do they have any questions? And we're going to start submitting Please. questions. Have you guys listened to the show yet? Not yet. Okay. All right. So there's two episodes out. We're doing, we don't, we don't have set days that we, uh, that we're, that we're releasing them yet. So we like submitted, we released one Thursday and Friday. So I think Jackson's probably going to want to do one today when I get home. Um, so we got sound effects too. I don't know. I don't know if you are going to have a show because he just fired you. Well, that's that's too bad because I have, I have all the accounts. Listen, Jackson, I told Eric on Facebook publicly on a comment on a post of his that you should do an open casting call for your co-host rather than (laughs) just, you know, settling for uh, for 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 Bowser for for this guy. Well, Um, the 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 logo in the subscript, it says with Jackson and his dad. So we're going to have an open casting call for someone to play his dad on the show. Okay. Spiritual father. (laughs) If if Paul can be someone's spiritual father, (laughs) (laughs) someone. 
<laughs> I'm so busy getting my PhD. He, he, has to, he has to rent out a dad. He was so busy learning Dutch, oh. German, and Latin. He didn't have time for me. Oh my goodness. I hope that's not what he writes when he's older. Um, no, I, I honestly, I, I love that you're doing this. And Jackson, I love that you're doing that with your dad. Um, and I love that it's around this because I know my son would like to do a, a video cast, a vodcast or whatever, but he wants to do it on us playing Minecraft. And I'm like, there's so much of that nonsense. And so I'm trying to gear him towards other directions. And so, dude, dude my kids, my kids love watching people play video games and I find it so mind numbing. Yeah. And like the voices these people make on these shows kills me. Yes. Like the screeches. Yes. They probably watch some of the same people. Yes. So, so, so I will say there's one side benefit. It is, it has increased their creativity and abilities in playing the game themselves. But just the, the stories that they put together and stuff is just obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, man, explore with, with your kids. Cause I, yeah. I, at least the two episodes that we did, it was fun. Um, it's good to share, like for me, something that I enjoy doing, which f- for me, uh, I love listening to podcasts and I like doing shows like this. I like to me doing the podcast, like recording is easier than a live show like this. Um, but I enjoy it because I really love giving resources to people that are accessible and easy and they'll help them grow. So that's kind of what we've tried to do with Bible and banter a little bit by taking on some topics and help people think, but also do it in a fun, jovial way. Um, Have some comic relief and and talk about serious things at times and whatnot. And with, with every day is Sunday with Jackson. I mean, it, it, I think it's accessible to kids. I want kids to hear the kind of interaction father and son can have. Um, it, I think it sets a good example in that way, but also like, Hey, some of these are legitimate questions, right? Like what happened to the fish? I'm interested. And you know, what Sunday school mm-hmm. class takes, you know, <laughs> you know, th- those are just things that you don't center a Sunday school class around. So it's something that you can nail quickly and then, and then move on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And kids come up with the best questions, man. I mean, mm-hmm. kids are so insightful. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish I had the imagination that, that my daughter and son have. Yeah. So my my son Gideon the other day was like, I'm excited for heaven because I'm going to get to meet me. Hmm? Yeah. So what he was saying is he's excited about heaven because he's going to get to meet the biblical character Gideon. So he's oh like, my I'm goodness, that totally, right. that totally went over my head. It did at us at first. We're like, wait, what are you talking about? And then it like after a few, like a little bit, we, it dawned on us, like he's going to get to, you know, meet his namesake, so to speak. So, so it's kind of, it's kind of a bold move. And I want to get to our topic, but bringing up your son's name, mm. <clears throat> it's kind of a bold move because I feel like, you know, as he's raised in the church, people are going to be like, oh, Gideon, like in the Bible. And like, you know, is Gideon going to be like his least favorite person in the Bible at some point? Or is he going to be his most favorite? Yeah. I feel like it could go either way. It could go either way. Because Gideon, you know, is an interesting character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, because we also have Asher and there's not a ton about Asher. But it actually, the one verse in Deuteronomy, like I said, Asher will be the favorite or among his brothers. And by far, <laughs> he's a, he's just a a great kid of the family and his brothers love him so, so much, but that's cool. Um, that's cool. 
Erica shared that that you guys thought he was being really deep at first. So deep <laughs> that you <laughs> that you had no idea what he was talking about, but then it turns out yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, no, that's, that's a, that is a gamble. He could absolutely dis, dis dislike Gideon in the Bible. But it's okay. I don't believe that'll happen. Gideon's no, a great character, so. man. He is, I, he is I, a great I, character. I love Gideon. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but as with every character in the Bible, there, there's you know there's conflict. There are conflicted characters, with the exception <laughs> of a few. Well, isn't it? I think that's the beauty of Scripture, right? And I think that's the value in looking at character studies in the Bible, is that you get to look at the good and the bad in people. It's it's almost like the you know I'm reading The Hobbit now. I've I've never read The Hobbit from cover to cover. I've only watched mm-hmm. the movies and read parts of it, and and seeing like in in Bilbo the the inner conflict between the two sides of his family, like that mm. that are so prevalent in who he is. And it helped. It, it's actually helped me see the own, the same con similar conflicts that I have in my life where I feel like there's two Eric's and, and, uh, and I think a lot of people feel that way, but you, you also look at uh, most characters in the Bible and you see a conflict going on there where there's times of great righteousness and then great flaws. And, mm. and yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. man. So, so Erica coming into the comment section reminds me of, uh, of this past Sunday when uh, I, I texted you after my sermon <laughs> and, and for those who are uninitiated or unfamiliar, Mike, what maybe three or four months ago shared with Luke and I live mm. on the show that in the middle of a sermon, he mentioned his enjoyment um, of after the kids going to bed, when, when they put the, when he and Erica put the kids to bed of Netflix and chilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike <laughs> did not, did not know that Netflix and chill was a euphemism for a certain marital activity. Instead, he thought it literally was just watching Netflix and hanging out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Well, I had a, uh, <clears throat> I had a, I, I said a phrase this past Sunday in a sermon <laughs> that uh, wasn't quite on par with Mike, uh, <laughs> because who can? But I certainly could have used a better term. So, uh, so I was referencing in Acts two. Um, when the disciples start speaking in tongues, there were some who were in awe. Then there were others who believed that the disciples were essentially drunk. They had had too they had, had too much wine. And I love actually the next verse, which we'll go over this, or maybe not in the next verse, but this upcoming Sunday, where Peter's like, "They're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning." My immediate thought when I read that was, "Dude's never been to Vegas." Uh, uh, I've been to Vegas uh, for a hockey tournament and I was not drunk. I'm not saying that, but I have seen people (laughs) drunk at nine in the morning, but nevertheless, I mentioned, I was trying to get, I was trying to express to uh, those in my church, what was trying to be communicated here by the author, which was that these folks, there were, there were some who genuinely believed that the disciples they weren't speaking in, in in tongues. Instead, they were white girl wasted. That's the term that I used. <laughs> Upon further reflection, I think I could have used a better term. So, yeah. 
<laughs> White girl wasted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Nice. Yep. Yeah, anyway, so I thought that was funny. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> and then I had I had this this uh, this guy who recently went away to college, and I've been spending time <laughs> discipling him and whatnot. And he he came up to me after the service, and he said, "Yeah, so I had to explain white girl wasted to my mom and my grandmother." I said, <laughs> well, okay. "Okay, you know." <laughs> yeah. So I thought this was popular vernacular. Apparently not. Yeah. 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 So it's true. So, Mike, what's our topic for today? Uh, you said the COVID's effects in the long term, or we're going to prognosticate on what we see are the potential long-term effects of COVID on personally and our churches. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I'm not quite sure what prognosticate means. We haven't gotten that far in my PhD, but um, I'm going to assume that means something that we're... We're gonna, we're, yeah, we're gonna project. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, kind of gauge where we see things are and where it could lead into the future. But there's no mm-hmm. real we're prognosticating means you're, it's like a like a hypothesis, like you're making a, a guess at where you see things are going, but it's not okay, not a guarantee. I like it. I like it. Let's roll with it. All right, Mike. So I wrote down a few notes because uh, I had a couple minutes to do it. So mm. I kind of well, first off. How has COVID affected you just either personally or professionally? And then how, how do you think that's kind of affected how COVID's going to have a, a short and long-term effect on the local church? Like you don't have to say specifically mm-hmm. your local church, but just in general. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to be careful because I don't want to come off as offensive. Uh, but I, on, the, on the positive side of things, I think, the people that are in the church are the ones that actually want to be there. Mm-hmm. I, I really think this was a, a uh, pushing forward and uh, how do we, um, a speeding up of what Keller calls the loss of the mushy middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those who Ooh, are kind I of, like that. Where does he yeah. use that term? I don't remember, but I, I think I saw it. Maybe it was a tweet he had or something. I, I can't remember, uh, but basically those that were kind of just there, um, really have no long, no more reason to be there. It's not culturally popular. It's not been a, like worldly beneficial anymore. And so uh, that's going to grow. And we are going to be left with, um, uh, you're going to be left mostly with people that still want to be there, but I still think there'll be people, well, I've been at this so long, might as well not quit now. There's always going to be those, but mm-hmm. um, you're going to be generally left with the people that want to be there. And so I think that's a positive. I think things are going to, uh, so this can be both a bless, blessing and a curse. I think smaller churches are going to thrive in being smaller, um, but the bigger churches are going to just get bigger mm-hmm. um, because they're able to weather things just by their sheer size. Um, on the downside of that, because I see it just here um, in, in my area, you're going to get... We're, we're really going to divide more and more over um, politics, national politi- politics in the church. Um, as, as one pastor one time shared with me, he sees his church as now we're a church of Christian patriots. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I hear you, but really of the, you know, the, you know, the government could tell us to do whatever they want, but we're not going to do it no matter what. 
uh, type of thing. You know, they've kind of, they gave the church, the government, the benefit of the doubt at the beginning of COVID and now. And so you're going to see churches either flocking toward more than they used to even, uh, those churches that really take a political stance, you know, identify themselves with a conservative party. You're going to see those churches kind of huddle together. Um, and then you're going to find other churches, not necessarily go in the mainline area, but more that don't necessarily think it's right to be aligned politically with a certain nationalistic viewpoint. I think those churches are going to, there's going to be that kind of separation. Mm-hmm. Un- unfortunate in my mind, like, like that grieves me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was talking with another pastor friend in the area and I'm like, you know, seeing how churches have lost and gained uh, and all of that. Um, I told him, I'm like, I'm not sure Christians are going to be there for each other when when the when the rubber hits the road when think real hard decisions come uh because they're gonna say well you shouldn't have gotten vaxxed you should have thought about that before you got vaccinated you should have thought about that before you didn't vote for so and so or when you did vote for him or that and you know our politics and how we chose to react to very react or respond to very difficult uh, circumstances, we're going to use those as our dividing lines of who's our brother to serve, visit in prison, take care of, and all of that, rather than using we love Jesus and we're trying to love Jesus even though we disagreed on how to go. I'm not quite sure we're going to be there. And he pushed back. He's like, oh, I think I think at least we as pastors in this local area will be there for each other. And, and I wasn't necessarily thinking of that just totally because we do have a good camaraderie amongst the Bible-believing churches in my area. But I was more thinking of fellow believers like, oh, mm-hmm. they I know they voted for Biden, so they, they're getting what they deserved or this, that or the other thing. And I'm like, is that really where we want to be, you know? Uh, hanging our hat. And so that's on the negative side where I see a division happening long-term that's not going to necessarily get any better until the the church can really see we need to repent in these areas. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so we'll we'll see. But overall, um, it's really hard to say because things just change. I don't think we're going to go back to normal anytime (laughs) soon, if ever. I honestly think bivocational is going to increase exponentially um i've even thought about the potentials for that even for me here at blessed hope um you know depending on how things go in the future um so yeah nothing but rainbows and sunshine from from mike alex (laughs) that's me mr unicorn (laughs) oh my goodness uh you know mike i I'm genuinely curious because I've met I've met Erica a couple of times I think but I mean we haven't had big grand conversations or anything um, so I can't say that I know her all all, all that well um, is she more cheery than you? She tends to be more giving the benefit of the doubt or positive. Yeah, she tries to look think more on the positive side of things okay i'm just trying to you know make sure that you know all the it's almost like you're mr crowd cloud coming in with thunderstorms and rain and floods and i'm hoping that erica maybe comes in on the other side is like well here's an umbrella at least she tries real hard Mm -hmm. she tries real hard uh i'll tell you my spear animals eeyore and i feel like i've said that before i 100 percent see that yeah. And Eeyore, <laughs> by the way, was my favorite character in Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. I just, you know, mm-hmm. simple guy. 
Yeah, you know? I'm just keep keep keeping on. Oh, thanks for noticing me if you happen to to do that. And, yeah. I don't need to be noticed, but I appreciate it when I am. You know. Thanks for noticing. Yeah. Yep. That's Mike Alex. Yeah. Well, well, if, if you're Eeyore, what's er who's Erica? Christopher Robin. <laughs> <laughs> She's just sticking my tail back on and trying to, you know, roll in her eyes sometimes and just trying to get me to where I need to go. Oh, man. <laughs> Erica's the real hero. She really is. Outside yeah. of Jesus. Yeah, Erica, yeah. Well, er, Erica is the hero in our family. Thanks for the that Jesus. You're welcome. <laughs> well, the reason I say that is because in my sermons, like a theme that has been coming out as we conclude John is thinking of how Peter said he would lay down his life and and then he tried to slash a guy's ear and then he's around the campfire denying Jesus. Peter always tries to be the hero, but the name of the Gospels is that Jesus is the hero. No matter how hard we try, Jesus is going to be the hero. Okay. Well, thank so. you for the thank you for the gentle rebuke. I, I greatly appreciate it, Pastor Mike. Yeah, and she's right. The second second to that would be Kanga. She's the uh, she's the she's the adult in the room. Let's just put it there. put it there. Erica's the adult in the room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, that's solid. That's solid. Well, I uh, I think I think I uh, I think you would agree that that's not what you hope happens. The, no, it's not what I hope right. happens by so, any stretch. So I, I make, you know, some of the same observations that, that you've made regarding like the political divisions within the church and how it is. Thankfully, I've not seen that in my church whatsoever. We certainly have some politically active folks and, and folks who are outspoken mm. politically. But from my understanding, you know, at least conversations I've had, they've not. Uh, and I'm not saying I differ with them politically, right. but just I haven't seen them be, well, f you know, just forsake people simply because they might have voted mm -hmm. different for them. So, so I'm grateful for that. I, I will say, I will say, I haven't really seen that too much outside of some people. I think have forsaken fellowship to go to another fellowship mm -hmm. over political stances or how we've chosen to or not to submit to government. Um, I just am concerned that that could be a direction we are going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and I hope it's not. Because uh, really, pol politics change from country to country, century to century. Um, the gospel stays the same. And and outside of a change in orthodoxy, um, I don't like if you've spent a considerable time at a church. I don't I don't see many good reasons. Uh, to leave that church unless again you've seen like a huge shift from orthodoxy to to heresy um you know anyway that's just me that's just this one simple simple guy you know mm -hmm. um yeah yeah so i was a little bit uh i took a different tact uh than you mike so um Bro, I'm glad you brought up the things that you did. So I kind of looked more at, and maybe this is part of me because my PhD is in practical theology. So it's so it's trying to look at the practical implications of 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 what the Bible said. You know, it's just anyway. I'm thinking through things in a more practical and applicational nature. Um, so so a few things I thought of. Um, so I looked at how I think we're going to see a shift, or we are seeing a shift maybe we're in the beginning of it or the middle is a shift in goals and methods. Hmm. 
So I, I think for many churches, um, the things that drive us are our goals and then from that, our methodology. Um, one caveat on that, our churches that are dying are those that are glued to their methodologies and have forsaken their goals. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, so their methodology has become their goal. Mm-hmm. So um, meaning, hey, listen, we've had, we've had Sunday school for the last 70 years at, at 8 o'clock in the morning. And um, we're going to have it at eight o'clock in the morning until Jesus comes back. There's nothing you can do about that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I mean by being married to a methodology versus being married to a goal. Um, So, so I'll give you some, some examples. Now, again, just so that Mike doesn't give me the Jesus juke again, uh, our main goal and our main purpose, not our, like our, our, like our, our goal, as Christians, as the church is to uh, proclaim Christ and see people enter the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. that everything comes from that. So, so when I talk about goals, we're talking about things that are subservient to that, that they are sub goals that meet that main goal. So to preach Christ, to share the gospel, to see people enter the kingdom of God and entailed in that is also caring for one another caring for our community and, and all that's entailed in that. So, so anyway, here, here are four things that, that I thought through smallness and community. So I think, I think we're going to see a significant shift. So over the last 30 years, we've seen a shift from neighborhood and community churches to mega churches. And, um, and, and I'm just spitting facts right now that has been, because of the boomers. So that is, that has been a boomer centric, um, egocentric. And I mean, that in the best sense of the term, not the negative mm-hmm. sense of the term, but an egocentric, um, um, uh, uh, wave that's happened over the last 30 to 40 years. Um, so that's been boomer driven, but now the boomers are in the stage of life that their parents are or were in at that time, right? So, in fact, you see some of the big rifts in in churches are over generations, uh, or, or conflicts between generations, and it's almost like the boomers are having the same fights <laughs> that they had with their parents. They're having it with their kids or grandkids now. So, um, so we're going to see uh, a big shift from mega churches to smaller churches. And when I say smaller churches, I'm saying, you know, 120, 150 people and smaller. Um, they're probably going to be some, what some still consider smaller churches, but I'm going to say like medium size, you know, churches, 250, 300. I think that's going to be the new cap for a lot of churches um, where for many it was 500, it was a thousand or whatever that might be. And just for clarity's sake, I believe mega churches is a term given for churches that are 2000 uh, persons in attendance or more. So we're going to see a shift because people are going to desire greater community. So people are going to want to be in community with other people. Conversations that I have with people who are in my generation and in a little bit younger, their desire when they are part of a church is to be mentored by people older than them and to be in a place where they can mentor. They value relationship. They value transparency and they value authenticity. 
that that is very difficult to apprehend in a church of 2000 people or even a church of more than than a couple hundred so i think we're going to see a shift partly out of necessity um, because of covid where people are coming to the realization that wow i want to be part of a community that i know who's in my community i want to know those people i want to be a part of their lives um so which drives a methodology so that's the that's going to end up being the goal for many the methodology is, I think, we're going to see um, smaller churches of the house church variety, the missional community variety, and things like storefronts. So um, we know at least of some churches in our denomination that have already gone to this uh, this methodology, which I think is great. Um, I've read I've read extensively, uh, partic- particularly in missional communities, um, or, or about missional communities. I think that there's a lot of upside there. Um, and, and I could, you know, I could see myself in the future. Like if I were, if I were to get fired from my church, like when I start dreaming up, like, man, what kind of, how do I, how do I envision the ecclesiology of a church? How do I, how do I envision like the practicalities of church? That's those, that's kind of where I trend towards that, that, that camp. So, um, so I think those methodologies, methodologies will come out of that goal. Hmm. I feel like I'm talking too much, Mike. Can you chime in here now? No, I, I no, I agree with you. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I'm not quite sure how, how to say this, but in, in reality, we're not, I think we're not going to be as program driven. Right. Which is, which is one of mine. Yeah. So, so along that line is, you know, and I, I, I have a couple, some Sundays ago, we, we, I had a real, like, this is, these are my concerns for blessed hope church sermon. And I laid it all out and I, and I told people, I'm like, listen, you get done with a ministry. If you haven't been, you know, raising up somebody to take over for you, there's a good chance that that ministry is going to die with your leaving. Mm. We, we cannot just, we cannot just keep, ministries going because they've happened all the time you have to understand that if you're willing to leave it you have to be ready to let it go as well that's um, and, and we've had that and there's been ministries that you know have people have gotten burnt out and there wasn't someone there to take it over from them because there wasn't the investment into the next generation mm-hmm. um, and we've got a big gap in our church of older saints and then like the 30 late twenties, mid thirties to 40 range. And then that we're really, there's a big donut size hole of those in between. And so there is this, there can be this generational conflict there. Um, you know, uh, the younger people have to understand that people are getting older, so they're not always going to do things and we need to make the sacrifices of time and energy. And the older people have to understand that we're not always going to, you know, we can stack chairs or set out tables and everything, but we're not going to be able to be there at a drop of a hat because we've got fam, we've got young kids and work and different things. And we need to schedule those things in uh, mm-hmm. because mo- today, most, most uh, parents are, are working parents. There's not as many stay at home moms that can just drop the hat and be part of uh, the, the fellowship, uh, you know, funeral planning uh, reception. Uh, type of stuff. And, yeah. and th- there's pluses and minuses to all that, but we have to understand that back what what was popular in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, even churches that churches always did 
are not necessarily going to continue in the, at least in the same vein today because of how culture and life has changed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've got to get, you know, and I, I'm kind of on the fence with this. I see both sides of the argument. I, I think both sides make too much ado about their viewpoint. But when it comes to like services for, for children and families, uh, I think on one side, we need to get away from Christians need to get away from, oh, this has great, th great programs for my kids. And rather really look at the church as this is somewhere where this church is going to invest in me so I can then invest in my kids. Mm -hmm. And making that change is real hard because um, I don't have a problem with age segregation. I think it can be done well. I think it can be done poorly. Uh, but a lot of times it's hard to get parents to understand that you're in Sunday school, not just for your own edification, or you're not in small group just for your own edification. You are also in there to grow so that you can also be the number one discipler in your house, in your household. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, you know, just like if I'm sending my kids to public school, I'm not just assuming that their all their education is going to be taken care of. I need to be invested, knowledgeable about what they're learning, not not hiding them from certain things, although I might like to, but being ready when they come home and they drop this, that, or the other thing, ready to respond um, biblically, compassionately, grace graciously to what they may learn at school, um, rightly or wrongly. Mm -hmm. um, and being prepared. And that's a, that's not an easy job because back in the sixties, seventies, everything was started to be done for people. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been outsourcing things a lot. Consumer, so. consumer driven mentality yeah. rather than, rather than what I think is a gospel driven mentality. Right. Uh, exactly. Whereas consumer, which let's face it, probably, I don't know, 80 to 90% of those in, in churches are probably consumer driven mm -hmm. um, where it's, you know, I go, I go where I will be served, mm -hmm. um, which is the exact opposite of what yeah. the gospel calls us to, uh, right. which is go where you can serve. Yeah, um, so. exactly. And that's exactly it. Go where you can serve. And so I've had to come to the uncomfortable and I'm still not there. And so I'm still in process of being ready to say, we don't have the hands and feet for this. That means even though we've been doing it for a hundred years, it might, it's not going to happen anymore because mm -hmm. we don't have the people that are able to do it because well, either it might have also lost its effectiveness. Then that could be too. Yeah. You know, so, so I think, I think about this. So uh, how we do, you know, for most, how we do discipleship at Sunday school and, and, you know, Wednesday night Bible study, prayer meeting, whatever you call it. Well, that used to be a sacred time for sports, for schools, for everything, right? Um, and we're talking even here in the South, that was five or 10 years ago, that was still space. I remember when I lived in, in Augusta, Georgia, no schools scheduled anything for Wednesday nights because that was youth group night. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the case anymore. That, at least that's not the case here in North Carolina. Um, that wasn't the case when I was in Massachusetts either. So, um, so those types of cultural, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, privileges that, that we had where they were, you know, others whose their priority was not Christ um, 
where they allowed us to keep that priority are now asking us to set aside um, that time for them. Now I'm mm. not, that's not a commentary on, on faithfulness or anything like that from Christians, but as a church leader, as a pastor, my, my, how I process that is process that is, well, okay. If, if parents and kids, if, if the people of the church are not going to be here on Wednesday night, is there a better way I can use my time? Is there a better way that we can use church resources? Is there a better way that we can invest in those lives where it's not, okay, come here. You want to grow in Jesus? Come here on Wednesday night. Oh, you got football practice. I guess you don't love Jesus. Well, maybe they really do love Jesus, man, but like <laughs> they got football mm-hmm. practice and this is something that they've been looking for, you know, playing high school or middle school football, whatever it is for, for the last 10 years. So, um, so is there a way we can accommodate those things? And each church has to figure that out on their own, right? Like what, whatever your, your situation looks like. So um, smallness and flexibility are going to be huge mm-hmm. uh, moving forward, which brings me to my second goal and method depth over breath. So um, depth of relationships over a breath of relationships. And that goes uh, on the smallness. So, having a couple or a few friends in the church that you know really well that you have deep relationships with that you're willing to confess your sin with one another and to help one another along mm-hmm. that instead of just well I'll see you next Sunday mm-hmm. um oh hey your friends yeah I got like 50 of them at church and and oh well what are their names you list their names you know their occupation but then when you start trying to say who they are, like who they are, like really in their core, you have no idea. Um, so I think we're going to start to see people have deeper relationships with fewer people. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so uh, next simplicity. I think we're going to mm. see more simplicity, which to me means more white space on our calendars. So we're going to see um a lot of people through COVID probably realized, oh, wow, I like not ha- not being at church five days a week because mm-hmm. um, some people were. Uh, so I, I like not not doing that now. Now I have time to go like have tea with my neighbor or, or mm. whatever that might be. I, I wish that were the case up here. I found the I found people to some degree enjoyed not having their schedules filled. And to be honest, they didn't have their schedule fields filled so much with the church things here because we, we aren't a busy church, uh, but like sports stopped and activities stopped and everything. But as soon as those things came back, they filled them back up again. And so they're mm-hmm. in many ways, even more busy now because they found, I hate to say, it, but a lot of times people find their, their identity in the busyness of them and their kill, their children's schedule. Ooh, I think that, well, um, dude, we should do an episode. Yes. Yeah. We need to talk off air. I got an idea for an episode that we should do because I think, I think we do a big disservice uh, as parents in overscheduling our kids because we, we think that that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I have a lot of unpopular hidden within my brain and Erica's heard it, uh, opinions on that, that, It'll be real hard. That could be get, get offensive. But anyway, no, I'm I'm cool with that. 
Well, I do think that we're right. Like for many, and maybe you're listening to this, maybe you're not. So please, I say this with as much gentleness and love and care, like in concern for, for people in my church and your church and any church, man, that um, what you prioritize in your family, you are, you are modeling for your kids and you are discipling them too. So if, if your, if your kids see your faith as just like paying lip service to Jesus and going to church occasionally, that's what they're going to model in their lives. And there's really not much assurance of faith in, in there. So, yeah. Um, we, and I want to save some of it for when we do talk about that. But the one thing that grinds my gears is when I hear people say, oh, my, my kids are so busy. And, um, and I want to say that's not your kid's fault. It is no. 100% not your kid's fault. So right. you, at the end of the day, even if your kids are going to be mad at you for saying yes or, or no to things, uh, parents are in charge of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you make the decision of ultimately the decision of what your kids and your schedule looks like. Well, um, you have to make the hard decision yeah. as the parent, right? Which is why, which is why you put parental controls on their electronics. Which is why you don't let them want. Don't kids don't even don't get have, me don't even get me started with that. Kids don't, don't have the ability to uh, to discern what's good and bad. They ha- they they just don't yet. So so they might want to do a thousand things, but you just can't conceivably do all one thousand things. So as a parent, you have to say, okay, listen, you can do one or the other, or you can do two out of the three. But you yep. can't do all 15 things that you want to do. And I love that you believe that parents know about parental controls and use them. I love you. You are, you are so rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're, so I'm assuming what you're saying is that parents aren't good enough with parental controls or parental controls are not good enough then uh, are in and of themselves. I, no, I think that they, they're extremely helpful. I just don't honestly think that pe- that many adults make themselves familiar enough to use them to their greatest potential or even care to take the time to make sure that their kids are appro- behaving appropriately on, on the, online mm-hmm. and being safe. And that's the number one thing, being safe. Because I'll yeah. tell you, I, I, I remember there was one time I was looking up uh, a Minecraft mod to add to our Kindle Minecraft account and I click on a link thinking it was a link to this. And it came up with, with my son, Joseph sitting there watching me, it came to a pornographic website. And I'm like, all right, the next, whenever I'm looking, searching for stuff, you're not allowed to watch with me because, because it it had no signs of anything. Um, And I'm like, okay. (laughs) It was a real uncomfortable moment. So he can't, even when I'm trying to do something, even when you're doing something mundane, um, it can easily, it, com- it, it comes, comes at you. Um, and so that's why you got to be extra vigilant. And so, mm-hmm. and, and that's why we've told our kids, our boys want to ride the bus so badly. And I'm like, well, if I didn't see everybody giving their third grader a cell phone or their own, you know, device, then maybe I would, but um, I don't think that third graders or fourth graders or fifth graders should really be having their own, in my opinion, their own mm-hmm. device that they're going to school with. They don't need mm-hmm. it. You know, if they need to get in touch with me, they can ask their teacher and their teacher can give us a call or the office yeah. can. So, 
But anyway. Um, so I think with the simplicity of more white space, what we might see are less ministries or programs like you were talking about and a greater focus on intergenerational ministry. You and I both follow Dr. Anthony Bradley, mm-hmm. who is a professor over at King's College in New York. Yep. Um, great follow on the Bird app. But he, he dude, he tweets vociferously um, about intergenerational ministry, taking uh, taking ownership of the faith within the home. Um, and and, and it, it's direct imp- Go ahead. And in particular, dads with their sons. Yes. And he is a great follow just for that. And um, yeah, so so I I think we're going to see an increase. So as churches are are getting smaller, and I think in a good way, that you're going to see folks take more seriously owning the faith in their own home rather than like, oh, hey, I'm dropping my kid off here on Wednesday night. You disciple them. Right. And um, I think we're going to see more equipping of parents or grandparents and a focus on, on trying to help kids um, grow in the faith in, in ways that maybe um, intergenerational ministries or age segregated ministries rather um, just have not done a great job at some have, some have, but it, it does seem that the, overwhelming majority of, of uh, ha- have, haven't done the best job. So, mm-hmm. cause the best job got in God's creation has been designed for mom and dad at home to do it. So mm-hmm. we can't outthink God. Nope. Not at all. So uh, Deuteronomy six, read it. Ephesians five and six, read it. You can see there God's design for how to disciple kids. So um, lastly, and to me, most interestingly, is on-demand learning slash community. Um, so I I think we're going to see what I mean there is that because things like programs are going to be going away as far as, hey, just come on Wednesday night for this study. And that's, that stuff's going to go away because of busyness of, of schedule. It's not. You know, like I look at my own Wednesday when we have Wednesday nights, as far as adults are, are concerned, um, uh, out of 15 people, usually one or two are under the age of 50. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that's not like, I love the people who come. I love them dearly. Yeah. Um, that's just an observation. So, you know, a lot of the folks that, that, but my church is pro is very diverse. Um, regarding ages. So um, we have people that are elderly and we have people that are very young as well. So um, so when you compare the makeup of our Sunday morning worship compared to our Wednesday night Bible study, it is it is out of out of whack. So that tells me, okay, we're not being as effective. Um, making disciples or if that's what we're trying to do on Wednesday night as maybe we could be. So we have to go back to the drawing board. So I think what we're going to see is an increase in on-demand learning and community, meaning um, just like we have more, almost every seminary I look at now or Bible college has an online program. That was not the case a year and a half ago. So uh, many did, 
but not all of them. But now those who were were resistant have gone online. And, and um, there's a lot of on-demand media out there. And I think that's just where people are going. So I think um, where you could have on-demand courses, whether they're just curated by your, by your, the, your local pastor or pastors, or maybe they are taught by your local pastor or pastors, I think you're going to see an increase of on-demand learning in that capacity as well as community. So a place where you can have questions. So like some of the things I've been thinking about was leading studies through like Facebook groups, like create a Facebook group for the church and go through like an eight week study, 12 week study, whatever that might be, send out, you know, have videos posted in there um, along with articles or reading material. And then through the comment section, people could, ask questions and start threads in that way. So um, that's one of the ways that I've been thinking through it. So we're going to, I think, see more pastors become content, content creators um, and, and moderators of online community. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where we're going, man. And I'm not saying that's uh, yeah. good or bad. I'm just saying that's, that's where I think it's, it's heading. I, I think with any of those things, there's nothing, everything, and not everything. There are some things that are baseline bad, but I find most things that are coming up today are neutral and it's how we engage with them and what we use them for. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for example, you know, and I've, I've said this before, I'm like, it's in face-to-face stuff is super important. It should be our default, but you know, then zoom calls or streaming or this are, okay temporary things mm-hmm. you know in the meantime because you know paul's desire was to be in person with the churches but when he couldn't and he couldn't pick up a phone and he couldn't text them he did the next best best thing he sent a letter with a representative mm-hmm. you know so so that doesn't mean that he was caving to to anything or he was do he, he did the best with what he had um, and so I think with all that, I think you're right. This on-demand stuff has its blessings and curses. If we use the on-demand to replace something that we could easily do that's better, then it's bad. But if it's a supplement, um, you know, to, to kind of help us to grow and to be more efficient to growing in the gospel, then and, and it's not evil and wicked at its base, which it, I don't believe it is, then then we should be, you know, not, not over worrying about the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. You know, I have one guy that has told me like he, he's a, a president of, of an entity and he's like, uh, you know, no more zoom meetings period now that we can meet in person. And I'm like, well, hold on. I totally know what you know what you're saying because people can have the tendency to, Oh, I can just zoom in and not really be connect, not really be engaged. Totally. There's that temptation. Mm-hmm. But if you want everybody to actually participate, there are going to be times when zooming in is better than not being there at all. Like yeah. some people live far away. And if you give them the zoom option when they normally wouldn't be there, then they're actually going to be there. You know, and I think of it for like, even like our deacons meetings, like we give that option still because you never know uh, your kid might be sick. And so, whereas you needed to stay home with your kid and not be uh, pay partake at all, 
now you can at least be aware of the conversations and even offer up your two cents from time to time because you can at least while you're watching your kid and putting him to bed, you can be part of the Zoom call. Mm-hmm. You know, so so don't get rid of the bathwater just because the baby with the bathwater just because there are potential misuses of the uh, the item. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of good, and I think you're right there. The, that's neither good nor bad. It's what we do with what, what with it, what we do with yeah. it. That really long-term gives us the answer. Well, great job, Mike. Great job. Today's episode. Fire. Not, not, not bad for just throwing it together. Literally last minute. Yeah. I think you texted me. Hey, I actually can do it today at like 1215. Yeah. Yeah. So 12, 10, 12, 15. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Cool, man. Cool. Well, uh, it's been fun. And if you are just tuning in, we want to reemphasize, you need to go follow the brand new podcast uh, hosted by my son, Jackson Reynolds, called Every Day is Sunday. And uh, where we talk about questions that kids and adults might have, but are a little too embarrassed to ask. Mm-hmm. So like who did, who did Cain marry? So he did want to ask, like he, he was like, Hey, so how did the earth repopulate after the flood? Mm. And I told him, I said, buddy, I think that's a really good question. Um, which we'll talk about, but it's not a question that I think is necessarily, um, I don't think parents want their kid hearing me tell them how that happened. So I don't want to tell them how that happened. That's up to them. So he's like, Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, uh, we've also that, got another project in the works, man. We've got another project, man. which I am very excited about. Um, I'm hoping that next Tuesday we'll be able to announce it. I'll tell Mike off air, but, uh, but the rest of you, the rest of you, I'm, uh, I'm pretty stoked. I've not been this excited for a new, um, a, a, a new endeavor since Bible and banter, man. So. You, you are like the anti Luke where Luke cut us off, uh, because life was too crazy. You just keep adding on the crazy. Well, here's here's the way I look at it, Mike. Uh, I have. Do you see all the books behind me? Mm-hmm. I read all these things. I get all this information. I listen to podcasts. I listen to books. I, I have all this information, and I want. I, I feel like a lot of people are intimidated by, like buy stuff, and they're like, "Man, I just need like a, a dummies version, right?" Like, oh, how did what's X for dummies. Right. And I feel like mm-hmm. I can help, uh, help provide that. So, mm-hmm. um, so nice. yeah, I've got a new, new endeavor, which, which we'll talk about. We're, we're trying to iron out the details, man. We're trying to iron out the details. So pretty stuff. Mike, Mike, Stop. what are you doing? Star Trek. What are you doing? Star Trek is for nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Club. So, all right, man. Well, hey, thank you everybody for listening and for watching and sharing your comments. Although half of it was uh, your wife and my wife, um, and the rest of them were Nathaniel and Angela. So, thank you very much. Um, we will see you next week. We're we're not quite sure what we'll talk about, but I might have an announcement next week. So, uh, until next week, we love you. Take care. 
And uh, yeah, that's it. That's about it.